Hello, beautiful, beautiful people. Welcome back again. This is episode two of season two of the Secrets of a Conflict Coach podcast. And as always, I'm Hannah Hutchinson, your conflict coach. First and foremost, let's talk about the fact that this episode was supposed to release on Monday. But this week has pretty much just consisted of me playing catch up and taking care of myself and my husband and trying to recenter and regroup a little bit, get back ahead of things. But it's just been a little unpredictable, honestly. I originally wanted to do episodes on Mondays and release on Mondays because that makes the most sense. Start the week right with a little conflict help. But I really think I'm going to end up switching to Thursday nights, Friday mornings, because I think it'll be easier for me to not only predict my schedule, but have the week to follow my creative energy as it comes and put episodes together gradually instead of trying to rush to do it over a weekend so that I can release it on Mondays. So I'm not 100% sure, but I think I'm going to keep doing it this way, releasing Thursday nights so it's available for people Friday mornings. But again, if it changes, it changes. At the end of the day, quality is a lot more important to me than consistency. I mean, I do really care about consistency, but I'm trying to be better personally about following my creative bursts when they come and not putting out things that are forced or rushed. So I'm trying to really bring some valuable content here, and I hope I do. I hope it is. Last week was just the intro episode. We talked about what conflict coaching is, talked about myself and the industry and what it looks like and why I'm doing it. But the main takeaway from last week's episode was looking at the five things that you can do to reduce conflict in your life. And I'm going to spend the next few weeks expanding on each of those gradually so you can have a really good understanding of how to implement those in your day-to-day life because it's not something you can just switch on overnight. It takes practice and self-awareness. And I really want to dive into each of them a little deeper to make sure that by the end of this season, there won't be any question marks. That's the goal. So if it ends up feeling like I'm kind of stuck on one thing and explaining it multiple ways, it's probably just because it's important. That said, the five things that I mentioned last week that you can do to reduce conflict in your life are managing your own expectations, setting healthy and productive boundaries, recognizing, identifying, and understanding your emotions, and as you process them, being able to respond instead of react, and then understanding that other people's actions and reactions have more to do with them than they will ever have to do with you. But this week, we are just going to start with the first one. So we're going to talk more about managing your own expectations and your expectations of yourself and how that can actually lead to reduced conflict with other people. We are consistently setting expectations subconsciously. And then a lot of times we act on those expectations that we've set without ever even realizing that there was an expectation in the first place. So to prevent this, we have to be able to recognize the difference between a subconscious expectation and a conscious expectation. When we think of things like New Year's resolutions, career goals, the structure of higher education, life and family planning, even things like daily routines and religious rituals, 
these are conscious expectations we're setting for ourselves and our life, and we have control over whether or not we make those things happen. But then in subconscious expectation setting, it's a little bit different because when we set subconscious expectations, it means that something is so consistent in our perception or our reality that our brain uses it as a baseline. So considering things like self-fulfilling prophecy and self-sabotage, we see that humans are consistently rising or falling based on things that they believe to be inherent parts of their reality. But that's tricky because everyone's reality is based in their own experiences, their own life, their own perception, and their own expectations. So when it comes to conflict in our life, we know that conflict comes from people being on different pages and expecting different things, experiencing circumstances differently. And as humans, we have a strong tendency to expect ourselves from other people. So often when we're in a conflict or even after a conflict or when we're trying to justify being upset about something, we'll say things like, there's no way I would have done that. I would have never done that. Could not be me. I cannot believe they did that. I wouldn't do that. And while that may be true, and you may believe that your way to react or respond is the correct way, but they likely believe that their way to respond is the correct way based on their perception of their reality, which is developed based on their own experiences and used to create their own expectations. So that frustration that you feel when other people don't respond to you or they don't handle it the way you would have or when an action or an event or a circumstance doesn't go the way you thought and that upset you or you took that personally, that frustration is normal. But it's not the best way to actively go about situations. If you're trying to practice sympathy and empathy and understanding and compassion and grace in a world where that is few and far between. And when we do expect ourselves from other people, that is to say we expect other people to behave or react or respond the same way we would because that's what makes logical sense to us, we not only take away their independent right to behave and respond the way they see most fit, but we also remove any sense of individuality from our relationship with that person. If I'm getting upset with somebody for not handling something the way I would, chances are I cherish that quality about them in other situations when it benefits me. For example, if I'm upset that someone showed up late, there are probably times where I really love their spontaneous go-with-the-flow nature. If I'm upset that someone's not taking something seriously enough, I probably have times where I love the fact that they can lighten a mood. If I'm upset that someone's not attentive enough, there have probably been times where I've taken advantage of their capacity for distraction. This may seem a little selfish, but it is human nature. And while mutual benefit should not be the foundation of any relationship, most healthy relationships are mutually beneficial. But we have to pick our battles. Because there will always be opportunity for conflict, but only occasionally is real conflict actually worth it. Usually there is a way to have a conversation without it actually 
being conflicting. But sometimes it does have to get to a point of conflict before those hard conversations are had. And it's totally okay if emotion plays a role there. It's going to. But it has to be controlled emotion. It's so important that we learn to recognize which things are in our control, which is typically ourselves and our circumstances and how we respond, and when things aren't in our control, which is usually how other people respond, other people's circumstances, other people's reality. You have to understand what's coming from you, and they have to understand what's coming from them. If we are constantly acting on our emotions, then we become unpredictable even to ourselves, and it makes it impossible to set expectations, especially in conflict. And we have to have balance. We have to be able to go out of our comfort zone, but also be predictable to ourselves and react in ways that we understand and respond in ways that we feel are good, productive, and healthy. But when we figure out the balance of learning new things about people, being willing to have hard conversations, deepening our relationships and connections with managing our expectations of ourselves and being predictable to ourselves, then when we respond to something, we can be confident that we're responding in a way that we feel good about because we've processed it and we fully understand it. And that's what builds trust in ourselves. And it's really, really hard to manage a conflict well if you don't have a good relationship with yourself because it's hard to trust any of the things that you're feeling. And it's hard to understand them and process them in a way that you feel good about because everything feels like a question mark. Everything feels unpredictable and unknown and scary. The easiest way to practice this is to learn how to enjoy minding your business. And I know that sounds a little harsh. People really don't like that phrase, but. If you personally can learn how to be more entertained and emotionally responsive to your own experiences than you are to other people's experiences, then you get to choose how you react and choose whether or not you allow their reactions in your life. And that's just part of learning to enjoy minding your business. You have to really understand and be invested in what's going on inside of you in order to stop being so entertained by what's going on in other people. But this can all get pretty multifaceted and complex and overwhelming pretty quickly. And I understand that. So I want to take it back a little bit, thinking season one, conflict styles. We have avoidant, just trying to disengage from the conflict as much as possible. And we have accommodating, giving others whatever they need or whatever they want to avoid as much damage as possible. We have competing or dominating, which is fighting hard for what you want out of the situation and putting your wants and needs above the other people involved, but sometimes to an extent of damaging the relationship. And then we have compromising, which there are times for. But if you remember, usually collaborating is going to be the best conflict management style to use in most situations. And I want to talk about how expectation setting plays into each one of these conflict styles. For example, if we start with avoidance, typically people with avoidant conflict styles are pretty good at managing their own expectations. They tend to naturally adopt the mentality of, I will let them do whatever they need to do, but I'm not getting involved unless I have to. They tend to only try to manage their expectations of themselves and actually avoid trying to manage other people. That's not always what good expectation setting looks like, but the concept does tend to line up well with a conflict avoidant brain. 
people who have a naturally accommodating conflict style usually have a hard time with expectations in general. They don't like to have expectations for other people, which is great, but they also tend to struggle a little bit with setting strict expectations for themselves. It can produce a pretty go-with-the-flow type of attitude, and accommodators are usually really fun and friendly and down-for-anything type of people. But sometimes that's rooted in their need to please, which leads them to prioritizing what other people want and need over themselves almost all the time. On the other side of that, people with a competing or dominating conflict style tend to really struggle to stop managing other people. Dominators can usually win arguments, but they have a hard time releasing the idea that they should be able to predict how other people will behave. They tend to grasp at control. And then we have the compromising conflict style, which, as we know, is the next best thing if we really can't get a collaboration going. And first of all, it's not common that someone's natural conflict style is compromising. Compromise is usually something we learn because we think it's the best option. Our instincts are usually going to be avoiding, accommodating, or dominating, and we have to learn how to either compromise or collaborate. But when someone does start to adopt a compromising conflict style, they've pretty much mastered the art of managing their own expectations of themselves. They can do that, but they haven't let go of the need to also try to manage other people and predict how other people will behave. And finally, we have collaboration, which is typically the most effective and productive and healthy way to handle a conflict. I've said it once, I've said it a million times. If you can collaborate, you should be collaborating. Again, not always possible. But when people are using a collaborative conflict style, they're managing their own expectations, managing their expectations of themselves and doing it effectively but also being able to practice empathy, sympathy, compassion, and understanding without letting judgment seep into their expectations of other people involved. So by recognizing what type of conflict style you typically use and assessing how triggered you get emotionally by conflicts at hand, you can usually get a good idea of where you're at in your conflict management growth process and also narrow down how much work you need to do specifically on things like managing expectations. Sometimes it can be difficult doing a self-assessment, especially when it comes to things like how good you are at expectation management, because it's very complex. But some people find identifying their conflict style to be a little bit easier. So I hope that connecting the conflict styles to the different struggles and successes with expectation management can kind of lead you in the right direction. So once you learn how to not only set your own expectations, but manage your expectations of you, focus on those expectations and differentiate between your conscious expectation setting and your subconscious expectation setting, once those things are practiced and natural, you will become more predictable to you. You will feel more trust and peace in yourself. You'll feel more confident in the way you're responding to situations. And when you get to that point, you can really start to work on healthy boundary setting and what that looks like for you in your life, which, of course, that's what we're going to talk about next week, setting healthy and productive boundaries. And that's going to tie in really well with this one because those skill sets go hand in hand. That said, I'm going to leave you with that. 
I truly hope you beautiful people have a beautiful weekend and week, and I will probably talk to you next Friday. As always, this was the Secrets of a Conflict Coach podcast, and I'm Hannah, your conflict coach. Bye. If this episode left you with any further questions or confusion, you can absolutely reach out to me and I would love to explain it further. I love your feedback. I can always send you some resources. And my email address is yourconflictcoach with two H's at gmail.com. You can also find me on social media. I will make sure that all of my social media is either tagged or linked in the description on whatever platform you're using to listen to this. Thank you so much.